Well, it's lovely to be back among you. It's 16 months since we, I was here, and uh, <coughs> that was when we inducted Tim into leadership. Mum have got me one, it's all right. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, but it's lovely to see you all. And, uh, <coughs> you know, there's been times when I've, it's encouraged me, the thought of River Church, because it hasn't always been easy where we are in Worthing. And it's been lovely to think that actually there's a healthy church here uh, and God is, has worked in many lives in this place. So that's, that's an encouragement to us. Um, <clears throat> the subject I want to speak on this morning, uh, it's already up there, uh, is one that I, it isn't one that I, I thought to myself, well, what, what shall I speak on? You know, uh, I, I think the River Church needs to hear a sermon on eldership. Uh, I, it wasn't that. It wasn't because Tim or John have come to me and said, we think you, it'd be good if you spoke on eldership. It, has, it wasn't because of that. It was just as I was pondering last Sunday evening after, you know, what shall I speak next Sunday? This is what came to my heart to speak about this. So I, I believe this is what the Lord wants to say. Uh, and I'm sorry if it is, uh, I trust it's relevant uh, to all of you. Now you think, well, why, why is it relevant to talk about eldership with a church? Well, for a start, there's a lot of men in this church and uh, there's a lot of men that have the potential to be elders. And uh, at the moment, you know, you've only got two in, um, in John and Tim. Uh, but that, I, don't, I see that certainly in the coming uh, years, there will be many men from here that can be elders. So I don't want anybody to think that they're, uh, <coughs> they're excluded, that they're not talking about them, because I think it's a good thing. We're going to see later. It's a good thing to want to be an elder. Uh, the other thing really is, is for a whole church, uh, you know, if you decide to appoint an elder, it would be good that you know whether that person is actually up to the mark or not. Because as I, and I'm going to say this, in my opinion, a church doesn't appoint elders, a church recognises them. We, um, it's 25 years this month since we moved to St Paul's Cray. Uh, I, and there I was put in the, I was the pastor of the United Reformed Church up the road, having moved from the church in Eltham, the Eltham Green, what was the Eltham Green Fellowship then, and uh, my initial service was called a recognition service. Now, I don't know what their, their thinking was exactly behind that, but I think that's quite a good way of uh, inducting elders, if you like. I know we don't want to talk about inducting elders, but to recognise them. The church is up to the church to recognise what God has done. And that's what you need to do if you want to appoint elders. You've got to recognise it. It's no good just Tim coming and saying, well, I think we should make so-and-so an elder. You yourself, as a member of the body of Christ, are called to recognise those, those men in eldership. We're going to look at, at some of those things as we go through. So the first question then really is what is, what is the role of an elder? What is the role of an elder? And I, um, oh, I've got a clicker here, haven't I? So that's good. What I want to say is eldership is essentially pastoral. Uh, that an elder is somebody who, in the Bible terms, is like a shepherd. Now, you might have two elders here, 
They are both, but you called him the pastor. All a pastor is really is a leading elder. And to me, any elder needs to be a pastor of sorts. Uh, they function maybe in slightly different ways, but they have that basic sense that they're shepherds of God's people. Uh, I think there's a lot of confusion. There was with me growing up in the church as to, and when I say growing up as an adult in the church, was actually I think the, we got confused between ministry and eldership. I mean, an evangelist might be a great minister, but he doesn't necessarily make a very good elder because he wants to be out there you know, dragging more sheep in, dragging more people in to the Lord and everything. But in fact, a pastor, an elder is someone who is basically in their hearts pastoral. And, and I, I've gone through here the, the different points. It's from 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4. It says, as a fellow elder, this is what Peter says, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God's entrusted to you. The first thing about a pastor is he's got to be a caring person. Got to be someone that cares for you. If that person doesn't care, you don't feel they care for the church, then don't appoint them as an elder. And if you want to, you know, the heart of Jesus uh, was to lay down his life for the sheep. He's the good shepherd. He's the good elder, if you like. He lays down his life. And you've got to see that there's a man there who will lay down their life for you. If, they, if you don't feel they will, don't appoint them into eldership. You don't think there's that heart that says, actually, I'm going to put, my, my, I'm going to put them first, ahead of me. It's not about me, it's about laying my life down for the sheep. I'm going to care for the sheep. That is what, uh, <coughs> or I, I don't like everyone, I don't really mind being called sheep. So I, I try and say the word church rather than sheep, but anyway. He's going to lay down his life for the church. <clears throat> the second thing I put here, watch over it willingly. Not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, because you're eager, eager to serve God. A great role of an elder is to watch. He's got to be someone that's aware of what's going on in the church, because the elders are the people that protect the church from that that's coming in. The world is, is trying to swamp the church, trying to destroy it, trying to make it so ineffective by bringing in philosophies and ideas. And elders are those that stand there and say, no, we're not having that. We're not having that philosophy here. We're just going to have what God wants for, for, this, for this group of people. And elders have to be people that do that, that watch. I remember as a, as a, young, uh, when I, a young minister, young elder, uh, when I was at Giggs Hill, I, want, I, I remember seeing this, this couple talking two married people, not married to one another. And uh, I just saw the way they were talking at a distance, and I thought, I've got to do something about that. And so I went and saw the lady and said, you know, I, think, I, don't, think that was, I don't know what exactly I said, but I know I diffused the situation. That could have been a, an illicit relationship that developed within the church. And as an elder, I saw there was something going on. You have to watch what's going on and act upon it in a gentle way, not in a heavy-handed way, in a gentle way. And that's what eldership does, it watches. So don't choose someone that's not aware, that just lets things go on, and they don't know what's going on. You've got to be people that watch. And the third thing I put here, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. An elder's got to be someone you can look up to. Got to be someone whose life is an example to you. If their life is not an example, 
then do not appoint them as an elder. Because that's what you've got to do. I mean, as a, as a, you've got a family. Now, I know families have difficulties, and mine had difficulties at times. But, you know, at the end of the day, your, your family, the way you are, are with your family is an example to everyone else. And you want to choose people who, who basically, you know, you can look up to and say, yeah, I can learn from that person. Not someone that, oh, well, you know, they're, they're just as chaotic as everyone else. Because there is a sense where the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And therefore, the ch- what the church is doing is really the world should be able to learn from us in the way we live our lives. And an elder's got to be a man that represents the church and can say, you can say, yes, I could, that man is an example. Not that he's perfect. None of us are perfect. But that we are an example. And so he says you've got to, and it says it's not talking about lording over people. Eldership isn't about someone coming along and, and, and just lording it and saying, well, I'm important. And you've got to do what I say. That's not eldership. The authority that comes from God is secure. It says, I know, I know, God's called me. And therefore, I can, I, I can do the job. <clears throat> and there's a great reward, it says. No doubt, you know, there's a, it's an awesome responsibility to be an elder because you know you're going to be, God is going to ask you to account for the people he's made you elders over. It says, but when the great shepherd appears, that's Jesus, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honour. So there's great reward, if you like, for those that serve well in eldership. But no doubt there is rebuke for those who do not serve well. So, so, so a lot of people, aren't, uh, that's going to mean a lot of people aren't going to want this. <laughs> and you see why. Because it's a tough job. But nevertheless, God calls men to do it. <clears throat> uh, and, and that's just really, so it's essentially pastoral eldership. Now, what I want to do is look at some of the qualities of an elder. Uh, and when I do this, I don't want you to think that, you know, just because someone ticks all the boxes, it doesn't make them an elder. Okay? But all, the, all these things are, are they, they just throw up, uh, if you like, if somebody is failing in a particular way, it might be something that flags it up and says, actually, I don't know whether that person is really an elder. And say, we're not, elders are not, it's not a reward for good behaviour. It's not a reward for the fact that you have, you know, served God and served the church for many years and, you know, you, you've done this and that for the church. That is not what eldership's about. Eldership is, a, is the choice of God, as I said, and, 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 the, and all the church can do is recognise what God has done. And, uh, and so when we're looking at elders... We're looking for elder, whether someone's an elder or not. Uh, yeah, don't just use it. Just if any of these sort of flag up, then, then pray about it and think about it. It just, and I don't want anyone to think that, you know, that, oh, well, if I only get it all right, then I should be an elder. No, it doesn't work like that anymore. Okay, let's move on then. So we're going to look at this. So the word elder literally means overseer. Uh, the King James Version and New King James tend to, translate the word elder in the passage in Timothy we're going to look at as bishop because they had a particular ecclesiastical uh, bent, they had a particular ecclesiastical uh, bias they called it bishop because that is the word in, in, in where we're going to look at 
Uh, in 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7, you've got your Bibles, you can turn there, um, although we're going to go through it step by step. But um, <clears throat> the, word, it would, the word there is, the, but literally the word means overseer. It doesn't, it's episcopus. There are two words in scripture uh, for elder. There's episcopus and presbyteros in Greek. I'm not a great Greek scholar. Episcopus is, you know, we get a word episcopal. That's what the word bishop comes from. But it literally means overseer. Presbytus means elder, as in someone that's mature, older. But both words are used in scripture for the word elder. Now, this is what it says at the beginning of 1 Timothy. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires. I want to think about that word overseer. How can you be an overseer unless you've been lifted up? You can't. It's, in that word is the sense that God must raise up a man or a woman, so, well, mainly a man, into eldership. I want to mention that in a minute about men and women. But uh, God does it. God does it. It, to be, oversee something, you've got to be lifted up. God's got to do it. So again, we're on this basis that it is God that chooses elders. Um, <clears throat> I remember when uh, I was in Eltham, those of you that have been to Eltham, I was a very committed member at Eltham for many years, and I organised the building work there. I, I preached sometimes, uh, in Elton, and uh, but I wasn't an elder there, and uh, but there came a point where say, I was called to St Paul's Cray, to, to to the church in Giggs Hill in 1994, and uh, Terry Watson, pastor, said to me, he, he said, "You're different, having been." called to be to go to be the pastor of the church up the road he recognized that there was something different about me god had raised me up he didn't raise me up in eltham i did all the work i did all the stuff but god hadn't raised me up and so you see you, you've got to be raised up god has got to do it that's why how you can recognize elders because god has done something different with them they're not just good eggs they're just the good people that get on with it and do stuff they are people that God has, has raised up. And uh, <clears throat> so it's, a, it's, it's not something, is it, but it says here, it's a good fine work he desires. So it's a good thing to want to be an elder. And I think that goes against the, the spirit of the age. Because the spirit of age says, well, let's all sit around. Let's all just enjoy life. Let's not take responsibility. Let's just be, you know. And I think God, that, God that's not... That's contrary to God's heart. God wants men to take responsibility. He wants men that are prepared to take responsibility for his church. And this church has much potential for men who can take responsibility. The question is, will they? Will God see them fit to be raised up? That's, that's up to him. But it's a good thing to desire to be an elder. You know, some of us say, oh, well, you know, I don't want, I don't want to push myself forward. Well, it's not about pushing yourself forward. It's about what God does. 
And if God's done it, then, then go with it. But don't be frightened to, you know, you might get pushed back. I have to tell stories. <laughs> you know, when I was in Eltham, the biggest reason people would have said that I wasn't an elder, I wasn't an elder in the calling of God, I wasn't. But, you know, because I was, you know, one of the more prominent men, people were, might, some people would have said, well, you know, we ought to make Paul an elder. But a lot of people wouldn't have done. You know why they wouldn't have done? Because my two eldest children were difficult. <laughs> I bet you can't believe that. They were. They were some of the worst behaved children in the church. I bet you can't remember that. Not Pete, of course. <laughs> and you see, it was a sign, really, that God hadn't called me into eldership. But there's a lot of rebuffs, you know, times when people would be critical. And you've got to take that, and you, you, in your heart you're saying, but I want to be an elder. But it wasn't the time. Another story, that, you know, and I'll tell some stories. Um, to fill, fill people in with history. In the 1970s, there was a house fellowship in St Paul's Cray, in Swan Close. Ruby up there used to go. You was a member. Great to see Ruby here this morning. And it was run by a, a couple called Joe and June Gannett. June is still alive, still lives in Swan Close. And uh, um, anyway, the time came in about 1983. So you, do, you know, I like dates. That's when Joe felt that the time had come to, to close the church, the group that met in his house. Now, most of the people came over, like Ruby, came over to Elton and started to fellowship with us in Elton. But one couple, uh, Tony and Joan Tunbridge, particularly, decided to go to the church at Giggs Hill. And that's really why I came eventually, 10 years, 11 years later, to go to St Paul's Cray, to, to Giggs Hill. Because they'd stayed in that church and it created an opening and eventually we went there. But the point I want to make about that, that's just history is the fact that when Joe came over to Elton, he thought, because he was an elder in a church over here, that he would automatically be an elder in the church in, uh, in Elton. And yet, those of us that were there didn't recognise his eldership. And I think Joe found that very perplexing and didn't understand it. But, you know, he just got on, he just gave himself to the church. And a couple, about a couple of years later, there was a, definitely a change. God did something. And at that time, we recognised Joe as an elder in Elton. You see, he had to perhaps get used to the culture of the church in Elton and that sort of thing, I don't know. He just had to get used to us and that sort of thing. And when he did, he became, and he served God for about, probably only about another three years until he died in a meeting, interesting meeting that. Uh, and, uh, <coughs> but he served God and he was a great elder. And I used to enjoy talking to him in those days. But <coughs> anyway, the point is, is that God raises up elders and they take responsibility. And uh, it may be that just because you've been an elder in one place, that it doesn't automatically mean you're an elder in another one. That's really what I was trying to say in all that, <clears throat> getting a little bit sidetracked. But anyway, 
But then he does, it also goes on to say, if any man aspires to be the office of an overseer. Now, you could say, is that any man or any woman? I know that's a bit contentious in our day. It does go on later to say the husband of one wife, which would tend to indicate that eldership is male. But I think the point is, though, that I, I work with some women that, are el- that, that run churches, you know, in churches together and that sort of thing. You're going to come against that. You've got to accept that God has called certain women to lead. And we must accept that. But I suppose the point is and that, that I think it comes down to this. Has what, we need to recognise what God's done. And if God raised up a woman, well, great. We need to recognise that. But let's, let's not get caught up with what the world's doing. And so we must have equality. At all costs, we must have equality. We must have equal number of men and women or elders or something. That isn't God at all. We have to recognise what God has done. And that's what you need to do. And it, yeah, if God raises up a woman, great. But, I, I, you know, that, well, that's all I can say really about it. But... It seems that generally, eldership is male. Certainly in a church like this with plenty of able men. It may well be that God will not raise up women elders here, but we'll see. Okay, let's move on there. We're going to move on to the next thing. We're going to look at the qualities of an elder. Uh, and uh, this is what it says. An overseer, that's the, then must be without accusation. What does that mean? Blameless it might say. Well if it said, if blameless means absolutely no flaws, that rules all of us out. There won't be anyone that's an elder. So I think it means the sense of being someone that is without accusation. If you're looking to choose an elder, it's got to be someone who hasn't, you can't, who, who, who hasn't got issues. You know, people, there are people with issues, you know, think, well they're always, you know, they're, they don't always tell the truth or something. Uh, and uh, you think, well, should you be appointing someone that's sort of got that over them? So just be careful. If there's someone with issues, be careful about appointing them as an elder. Next one, this is a really contentious one. The husband of one wife. Some people would interpret that to mean that a man cannot be an elder if he's been remarried. Other people would say that it means that it just means someone who uh, has only got one wife at the moment. (laughs) They're not a bigamist or a polygamist. But I think, you know, rather than get involved in what exactly that means, perhaps we need to just think, I think it means to do with a man's attitude towards his wife. What's, you know, I've read it recently that the way you tell a man, look at a man's wife. You want to see what he's like, see what his wife's like. Does he, is he a flirty man? Does he flirt with other women? Well, be very careful about appointing someone that's flirty. Is he, is he heavy-handed with the way he deals with his wife? Well, he's going to be heavy-handed with the way he deals with the church. So you see, it is important. The way he deals with other women, maybe. Does he treat them respectfully? If he doesn't, maybe God hasn't called him to eldership at this time, in spite of his gifting. So a husband and one wife, I think we can read all sorts of things into that. Uh, Next one, not governed by outside stimuli. Not governed. What's governing that man's life? 
Is it cricket? Cycling? What is governing? You know, by governing, I don't mean, say, taking an interest. It's nice to take an interest in things. But I'm talking about what is that, you know, they say, oh, you know, I can't come to the meeting tonight. I've, I've, got, to, I've got to go and do my sport or something. You feel they're more, they're more into their sport than they are into, into the church. Be careful about appointing someone like that as an elder. Uh, full of common sense. Let me talk about John. Lovely John Churchill. I can talk about him because he's not here. You know, I, uh, uh, John has been travelling over from Kidbrook, Blackheath, for 18 years now. And uh, when he first came over in 2001 to the church, he started joined us in Giggs Hill. Uh, no one would have thought John was anything. You know, John was just the, just the guy that just sat at the back and, uh, you know, made up the numbers on a Sunday. That was all he, you know, and he was quite a good egg, but that's all he was. But I know that during that first couple of years he was travelling over, God did something in John. And I recognised that God had raised him up into eldership. Now, John is a great example of someone who is not a minister. <laughs> you know, he doesn't preach. He doesn't, he struggles to even be at the front. And yet, I want to tell you that John, I, my, my, valid, my estimation of John has gone up since I've been in Worthing. I'd love to have a John in Worthing. John served with me for 13 years in eldership and really helped, has helped to, him and Ruth, have helped to uh, this church to get established like it has. Without John, it probably couldn't have happened. Yet, if you said, what's John's like what's his ministry I'd say it's sanctified common sense he's just got his feet on the ground John you know I'd go to him and I'd say what about this idea and you know if he said yes I'd say right okay that's good if he said mm, not sure I'd be very wary about doing it as a leader I really value John he's an elder Okay, he's not a minister particularly, but he is an elder. He has that sense of responsibility. God raised him. I sense that. We got him as an elder at Giggs Hill, even though there were people who probably would have opposed it, um, but they didn't turn up for the meeting where we elected him. How about that? God just ushered him in because God had already done it. God had raised him as an elder. And uh, <clears throat> you're blessed to have him. And, uh, but he's just a man full of common sense. Sober-minded, I think your Bible might say, but that's what it means. Full of common sense, you know. Don't let you get float in the air and get carried away and ethereal with spirituality, but down-rooted spirituality. It's a wonderful gift, and John's got that. Okay, <clears throat> what else we got? Not chaotic. <laughs> don't appoint someone whose life is one big chaos. You know, they're here, they're everywhere, busy, you know, someone that's learnt to, to put things, get things in order and right, not chaotic. Hospitable, which means loving strangers. An elder should be someone prepared to embrace people, strange people, and doesn't just write them off because they're not part of, because, you know, the church has got to grow. And you've got to have new people and they've got to be someone that, yeah, they're, they're hospitable, but they may not open their arms in the sense of let them just come in and do whatever they like. 
Elders don't do that. Elders have to be people that have learnt to embrace strangers but put them in their place, so to speak. Uh, <clears throat> able to teach. Now, again, you might say, well, John doesn't qualify. Well, he doesn't qualify if he's standing at the front. But able to teach means you're able to get alongside someone, talk to them, encourage them, that sort of thing, get one-to-one. You're looking for a, a man who perhaps can stand at the front and teach, but could also be someone that just is an encourager to get alongside. It says this in Titus on the passage on, on eldership, he must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. And I think, you know, you've got to have someone that, that, that knows what they believe, that stands in what they believe. That he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. So that's <clears throat> a quality of an elder. Uh, we move on. <laughs> not addicted to wine or other behaviours. I'm not just talking about pornography here. We're talking about you know, alcohol or any addictive behaviour. They're not an addictive person. They're, they haven't got addictive behaviours. Um, <clears throat> we're talking about not violent. You know, if you go to, you, want an, you don't want an elder, that if you go and question them at all, they bite your head off and you're frightened they're going to knock, knock you for six. You don't want no elders like that. You want elders that, that basically are peaceable. I, uh, you know, I'm trying to think, I didn't tell this story, did I? Um, when I was, uh, when we, I think Mark had just been born, we went up to Liverpool and stayed for a, a weekend with friends up in Liverpool. And uh, there was a tent crusade, and we went with my friend to the tent crusade in Liverpool. And uh, the speaker got heckled by somebody. And uh, a man stood up from the congregation and he just got alongside that heckler and gently ushered him to the back of the meeting, the back of the tent. And I thought to myself, that man's an elder. I didn't know who he was at the time. He was only probably about five years older than me. But I thought, that man's, that's, that's eldership. And sure enough, that was, that was actually Pete Moffat in Liverpool. I didn't know him at the time. But there was a sense about him. He was gentle, because that's the next thing, with those that were difficult. He just ushered him gently. And it was a mark of God having raised him up into eldership. That he was able to do that. So that's what you're looking for, someone that's able to handle the difficult without reacting to them. Uh, not quarrelsome. Not someone that's always picking an argument. Don't pick someone that's always picking an argument. There are people that are very good at arguing. Elders shouldn't be arguers. They should just stand in what they know and believe before God this is what we've got to do. Uh, free from the love of money. When we were on our honeymoon, we went to see, we went to the Exeter Fellowship. And uh, the person that was speaking said something I've always remembered. He said, the way you tell a man, there are two ways you tell a man, how he deals with women and how he deals with money. And that's probably quite a good test, another good test. What does a, what does a man like with his money? If he's someone that, you know, he, he's so tight-fisted, you never get any, you know, he's the last person to, to get his wallet out. And he shouldn't be the last person to get their wallet out. He should be a generous man. But again, someone that can handle money. And it isn't just, oh, get rid of it, get rid of it. I don't want anything to do with it. 
Because, of course, these things reflect where people are with their, their own lives. And they'll be like that with the church. Um, they're just indicators. Another one, it says, is house is in order. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. You can see why I had problems. <laughs> but if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Your house reflects you. Same as your wife reflects you. Your house reflects you. And uh, if you want to look at an elder, and maybe think a man might be an elder, look at his house. Because if he's not got his house in order, how can he... That's what he's going to be like with the church. Now, I know that houses are difficult, particularly if you've got young children. Yeah, they're not... I certainly was not a tidy per. I'm not a tidy person by nature, as you'll know. <laughs> I'm not. So my house was untidy at times. But there's a sense where I know that over, I mean, God was very gracious to me in that he made me redundant from my job as a building site manager. And uh, it was during those two years before I went into the ministry that I was able to really get my house in order. I think God prepared me by doing that and uh, get my children in order. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I worked it out. So I think that's an encouragement, isn't it? You might feel you're struggling in one of these areas at the moment. You might think, well, that's not... I'm really struggling over that. But there's hope. God, you can turn it around. Don't think, well, that's it, I'm right off, because that's what people do. Well, I, well you know, my children... My, 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 um, <coughs> my, little, my toddler had a screaming fit, so that's me written off for eldership for the next 10 years or something. But it's not true. You know, every kid has a screaming fit. It's just what it is. But the truth is, is that man dealing with it? Is he getting his children in order? Is he getting his house in order? It will reflect what he will do with the church. If you can't get your own house in order, you'll never get the church in order. You'll never be able to. <clears throat> it will, it, it's true, you see. We've got to, we, God's real. God's all honest. You know, it's you know, different. You know, you know, people can think, well, I'm different in the church. You know, church is my you know, job and I... I'm different. Well, that is, it doesn't add up to me. You know, yeah, where, you are, where you are in your... Someone's got to come and live, in, live with you and see exactly the same person there in your house as they are, you are in the church. That's what eldership is. I'm the same person. And you see me for what I am. Okay. Not doing it for position. It says, not a new convert, so you will not become conceited and fall in the condemnation incurred by the devil. Um, you know, Satan's basic sin was he tried to make himself equal with God. He, was, he had a high up position, archangel, and instead of just accepting his position as an archangel, he wanted to be like God. So he rebelled. And you see, that's the trouble with position, isn't it? It can turn heads. Uh, you know, if we want to be an elder because you want everyone to, to say how good you are and feel important and all that sort of thing, well, then you're really in danger. If you're appointed into eldership, you'll be in danger of going astray in the same way that Satan went astray. Because you're doing it for yourself. You're not doing it to care for the church. You're doing it because you want the position. 
And so don't choose someone you think is interested in the position of the elder. It is someone that is prepared to lay their life down you're looking for. Someone that puts the church first before themselves. The person that's there last, serving, doing the work. You've got to be able to do that. If, you're not, if you haven't got that, don't someone that just likes being at the front. Because that's not going to make a good elder. You could come into the condemnation incurred by the devil because you've been given a position and you've abused it. So you've got to be careful and don't do it for position. That's why it says don't, not a new convert. Someone that you know has proven over time almost that they've got that heart to lay their life down for the church. And the, the, the last thing it says in here, able to handle difficult situations. He must be of good reputation with those outside the church so they will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Um, I think I learnt my great lessons running a building site rather than running a church. I think that's where God really knocked corners off me in leadership, was on the, on the building site. And you know, you've got to be able to handle those difficult people. Not everyone loves you on a building site, particularly if you're the manager. They don't. And you've got to learn to cope with that. You've got to learn that there are people in it. They're trying to get around you. My greatest mistake on the building site was to allow someone to do something and it led to a man down a hole with a broken leg. That was my biggest mistake. I learned a big, big lesson that day. But, you know, when I was... Uh, <laughs> the first four weeks of me running... You know, when, you become a, when I became a building site manager at 29, I thought, well, this is great. You know, I'm now the boss. And I think every Monday for the next four weeks I had some great catastrophe on the site which culminated with this guy down the hole with a broken leg. Uh, and, uh, you know, but it all came about because, you know, you've got people trying to do stuff. And I learned to be very careful, to be very watchful on a building site, not allow people to do what they wanted to do and say, is that right? I'd say to the Lord, Lord, is that right? And I learned that on a building site. And I learned... And when I became a church leader, I learned to do that as well, to ask the Lord what I should do. You know, when you're confronted with difficult situations. So you see, if you haven't learned to cope with those difficult situations outside the church, you won't do it when you're under the pressure where everyone appears to love one another and it all seems so, so nice. You've still got to be watchful. You've still got to know, is that right? Is what that person's saying right? And the way you'll learn that is to be... And so you've got to have a good reputation. If you can't handle the world out there, you're not going to handle the church. You think, oh, the church is nicer. Yeah, but there's, it's very much more subtle. The devil is trying to... The devil wants to destroy River Church. He would if he could. It's up to the elders to make sure that doesn't happen. And they've got to be wise to it. He'll introduce subtle things. The devil's very subtle. And they've got, you've got to watch it. And you can't just, just because someone seems nice, you can't say yes. You have to know before God that it's the right thing to do. And that's where, and of course, at times, it is the right thing to do, to listen to people. So you've got to know that. That's the responsibility of the elder, to know what's right and what's wrong. Okay. <clears throat> so, sort of more or less about, I just want to mention briefly before I finish. Uh, just about deacons, because you might appoint deacons. 
I don't know, we haven't actually appointed Deacon. We have a leadership team here, which was, uh, it was Simon uh, with Pat and Mark. Uh, but obviously, it's the two of them now. I suppose they were sort of deacons, but we never called them deacons here. You might have done. You might want to make deacons, I don't know, in the coming days. But this is what it says again. Read 1 Timothy. I would say this, almost the same qualities as an elder for the deacon. It's not just the fact that they're, it is just a different role. It's not a different quality of life. You're still looking for people with a quality of life. But the truth is, it says they're first proven. These men must also be tested. Then let them serve as deacons as if they are beyond church. So I believe that deacons are chosen by the church. You look out. And I once heard this. So they were going to appoint deacons in one particular church. And the word of God came prophetically was, don't look up, look down. What do they mean by that? They mean, look down at the people doing the work. If you want to appoint deacons, look at who's down there, sweeping the floor, doing the work, on the ground. That's who, don't look at the person at the front, who's, who's up the front doing this. They might be very good ministers. But the deacon is basically a servant, and you're looking to choose servants. So there we go. <coughs> That's more or less... What I wanted to say this morning, now I don't know whether you're about to appoint elders, I've had no discussion with Tim about it or anything like that, but obviously at some point you will. At some point you may want to send someone out to be uh, into, maybe you plant a church or something from here. You've got to have an elder. Every church must have at least one elder. I'm on my own in Worthing as the only elder. And uh, it's tough. But I know if I wasn't an elder, I, I, I'd, I'd be back here <laughs> tomorrow. If God, I didn't feel God had given me that authority to lead the church. It's something that's come from God. And therefore, we've got to look out. God wants to raise up men from this place to be elders, to have that pastoral care for the church. And will you let him be, you be one? And if, if, you, if that excludes you, say, well, are you prepared to, to watch and encourage? And if you think a man's an elder in the church, tell the other elders, tell the elders, tell them and encourage them that way. Let's pray. Father.